You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. My guest today is David P. Wickman. In addition to being a sex, love, and intimacy worker, David is an author, speaker, and entrepreneur passionate about his message. He is respected and well-known all over the world to those who seek to renew themselves and explore ways to live a fulfilling life free of stigma, shame, and fear around sex, love, and intimacy. David, thanks for joining me today. Hey. I'm not going to give any spoilers about your book, but you did release your first book. Congratulations. Thank you. And also, congratulations. I understand you were nominated for an award. So do you want to tell us about the book and the award? Sure. I wrote a memoir, which is a pretty powerful story, but I was actually um, instigated. The catalyst for that was the FOSTA-SESTA Act that got passed and all of the public the media blitz of sex workers kind of being thrown under the bus because of uh, policy. And so because of that, I wanted to come out and have a voice in the sex work industry. And I didn't really know how, because I thought, well, they're going to come after me for being a drug addict. They're going to come after me for being, you know, having this traumatic experience. And so I thought, well, I have to tell the whole story. And so I'm like, spent two years writing a book with a co-author heather ebert just yesterday day before yesterday i found out that i was that i won as a finalist in the international book awards for 2020 which is a really prestigious at least for me a really prestigious um, accolade that says that you know 2000 odd books were in the running and uh they found that my story had some purpose and meaning so that was really exciting it's the fourth award I've gotten so far. So Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I read the book. No, I devoured the book. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Did you tell me that? Yes, I did. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. It was powerful. That's the word yeah. you used, and that's the word I would use too. Yeah. Although our, you know, our stories are totally different, you know, I was there on the ride with you. It was just great. Um, I hear that a lot, actually, from like my friend's 75-year-old mother. She's like, I have nothing. My story has nothing in common with you, but I I was with you on the ride. I could totally relate. And I was like, really? You can? <laughs> I'm just surprised at how people um, find themselves in that book. They find their, their story somehow, how they can relate and connect. So it's really actually really wonderful. It, it's really touching, actually. Well, I highly recommend it to everybody. <laughs> All right. I'm going to list three terms. Okay. And then I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. Sexual healer, mm-hmm. sex worker, mm. and escort. Mm. How are they different? How are they the same? How do they overlap? Oh, they definitely overlap. Um, tell me the first one again, because I think it was the one I hated the most. Sexual the heal- healer. Sexual yes. healer, yes. So, well, I love to talk about this term because I don't really like it for myself. It, I cringe every time I read it on the back of my book. <laughs> and that is sort of one of the things that comes with working with a co-author and a publisher and a publicist. And 
when they write when we write about the author together they you know pick these terms that are most relatable to the general public at large and my intention especially telling heather i want to cast a wide net i want to reach as many people as possible it's like then you need to use the word sexual healer because it matches <laughs> but i don't see myself as a healer i don't see myself i just see myself as somebody who shows up in the room and um sort of facilitates allows people to be right where they're at wherever they're at my clients can be experiencing absolutely no trauma or could be dealing with something lifelong insecurity that is not going to be addressed in the one hour they're spending with me right. and if they do resolve a trauma or uh, some a sexual hang-up or some sort of thing over the years or the months or the hour that they spend with me, it doesn't mean that I had a part in that healing. It means that I've been able to hold this space, open up a possibility for them to do that. And that means that they do the work themselves, that they are truly the healer. And so I feel like it's such an arrogant term. I'm a healer. you know. So that's why it kind of bothers me. So where does sex worker and escort fit in? I love those terms. I think they're very common and they're very basically true. I mean, they're self-explanatory, you know, I mean, as long as you know what an escort is, sex worker is my preferred mm -hmm. term. It just depends on, you know, context, but yeah, I have no, but that was my big, it's the one cringeworthy part that I don't know why it bothers me so much about the about the author on the back of the book. It's like it's not even really that important. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about it now, then, yeah. so you can share your uh, dislike of the term. Right. <laughs> you have said, or I've I've seen in writing, you mm -hmm. said that you found that you had a calling for this as a sex mm -hmm. worker. Yeah. Can you talk about that? When when did it start? Why do you feel that it's a calling? Hmm, that's a really good question. And when I reflect back on my experience uh, as a sex worker, as somebody who has been basically providing sex in a transactional way my entire life, and I think back how far it goes, and if you've read my book, you know how far back it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I guess the best way I can put this is I have a friend, uh, Russ Frischella, who is a professional photographer very famous and shot all the newscasters and people like that. And he told me one day years ago, he said, when I was six years old, I had a dream and I saw myself holding a camera and I knew from that moment I wanted to be a photographer and I pursued it all my life. Well, I never had that dream, but I use, I use that as sort of the template for my calling because I think a lot of us get caught up in this, um, this idea of, what is it that I'm here to do? What's my purpose in life? Why am I, a lot of people, especially in personal growth spaces and stuff like that, they're like, you know, what is my purpose besides the easy answer of being of service and being loving and kind and all those things? What is my ambition? And um, because I look back and I see how powerful the work is that I've done, how empowered I've become as a result of it, it feels like it's been my calling all along. And I say that with the clarity that it's not something that I always knew. 
it's not something I had any desire to know. I did and do what I do it's because it's what I know how to do. It's what I feel compelled to do. It's a, and right now, because of COVID, right, I feel so destabilized and so kind of lost because I'm not doing what I love doing. And it, in, it just sort of dawned on me the other day because I take my work for granted so much mm-hmm. that um, I really miss my clients and I really miss the work. I really miss connecting and touching and, and being in the room, not to be present for someone else's healing. But just to be there for that connection, it's really, right. at least over the past couple of weeks, has really been weighing heavy on me. And there have been a number of wrenches thrown in the sex worker business, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah. one thing I'm not hearing from you mm. when you talk about the calling, uh, you say because you love it, but what about the fact that you're great at it? Good one. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> that's what I'm told. Are you? I'm real, oh, I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm really good at what I do. I, I feel like imagine. I'm really good that. And most of the time, I you know second guessing that constantly. Can I do this? <laughs> you know. And my ex boyfriend always says, "You could sleepwalk through this, David." <laughs> Your best clients. How how do you think they would describe you and the service that you provide? Oh, goodness. Wow. (laughs) You know, it's a little embarrassing. I mean, it's not embarrassing. It's actually really wonderful. My clients and I have such a beautiful relationship, such a, even the ones I don't see often, ones I've even stopped seeing who have kind of grown out of a desire to hire any longer in their twilight years and contact each other all the time. They say, you know, my life would never be the way it is today if it weren't because of, if it were, if I hadn't met you, they would say things like that. And they would say, you know, I'm a different person as a result of our relationship, but they'd say it in some other more uh, complimentary way that I don't really want to talk about myself publicly too much. <laughs> really want to just let the work speak for itself. How do you make sure a client gets what they want? And do they always get what they want? When they walk into the room, if I've seen them once or if I've seen them twice or if I've seen them for years, I cannot remember for the life of me what they get into. And I have to sort of feel it out until it sort of comes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's kind of scary in a way because you don't want to say anything. You don't want to insult. You also, I also don't want to ask questions. I also don't want to be like, so what are you into? You know, like, it just feels weird. So you like it to be organic. How do you navigate that if you're not asking what are you into or what are you looking for? Well, initially, people tend to tell you what they're into. And that's a really kind of, you know, people tell you. They tell you in the email and in the text, I really like this. I really enjoy this. This is what I am. You know, they identify as a submissive bottom or they identify as somebody who is new or, you know, just wants you to take take the reins, take control, things like that. And those are very important cues on how to show up in the room. Most of it is pretty all natural. I mean, it's just people can tell you a a million things that they want to do. But once they step through the threshold of that door, everything sort of changes because people build these fantasies 
I do it myself, build these ideas in our heads about what we want, right? I want this thing to happen. I want a gang of hot hung tops to come and do these things to me, right? Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you walk through the door and you see the, the person on the other side and the energy and the connection and the chemistry between the two of you may not be the chemistry that is needed to meet that fantasy in your head. And it becomes something much more enriching. It becomes something uh, much more uh, organic, as you said earlier. And, and that sort of just sort of takes, takes precedence. And we try to navigate back into fantasy or we navigate to make sure everything is covered. But, you know, inevitably every single 100% of the time, I should say, I say that 100% of the time, things turn out exactly how they're supposed to turn out. And that includes (laughs) appointments that don't really work out. They don't work out because they don't work out. And it is 100% of the time chemistry. It has nothing to do with me and who I am has nothing to do with the client and who they are as a person. It has to do 100% with the chemistry of the room. I don't think people can really control chemistry and I'm willing to be wrong about that. Well, it's, it's the same when you're hooking up dating. It's all the same. It's it's a relationship. It's a business relationship, but it's a relationship. Obviously clients have different desires when the desire is around BDSM, is that something that you're able to accommodate? You like to accommodate? I have a closet full of leather gear. Yeah. And I've been sort of dabbling in the leather community for about 30 years in and out in, in my own little experience. And I say this often. I love organic role play. I don't mind, you know, falling into a role if it comes naturally. But if you try to hand me a script of something that you want to take place or all of a sudden you want, I actually had somebody tell me they wanted me to show up and be a vampire and wear a cape and all these things. And I'm just like, I definitely decline those types of appointments. Mm -hmm. I definitely decline that type of scenario because personally it feels, you know, awkward and it feels uncomfortable and I don't feel like I'm being and I hate this term more than anything, but I'm going to say it. I don't feel like I'm being authentic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really hate that term. But I'm saying that because it's, for lack of better terminology, I really want to show up in the room as I am. And now I am, sometimes I'm a very dominant top. Sometimes I'm a very assertive, a dominant, selfish top. Love that. Love it. Right. And I have no, no issues with accessing that part of me at any time whatsoever, ever, ever. It's like one of my favorite parts about myself that I really love. And when somebody needs that or wants that or requests that, it's easy. I don't ever even have to say, sure, no problem. If somebody wants me to tie them up and tickle them or do some type of thing like that, to me, I, I really have to think about that for a minute. You know, do I really, is that really my scene? Is that something I really like to do? Not really. And if I'm not enjoying being in the space, providing that for somebody, if it feels awkward or uncomfortable for me, or it feels like something I'm not really exploring right now, then I don't want to show up in the room and do that with somebody because that actually short changes them. And that also takes that work away from another sex worker who absolutely loves doing that. And for me, And I know a lot of different sex workers, so I'd be 
more than happy to refer them to somebody who really loves that. And I'd be like, well, I know, you know, Lance Navarro in San Francisco really loves to do that. And would love for you to go see him. And he would really love to see you. So that's the type of ideal that I like to work around because I'm not going to be the perfect escort for every single client. Well, and that's the way BDSM works. I mean, yeah. you can't put two players together and, and just make it work. Sure. Just because they're into BDSM. Sure. Their interests need to somewhere overlap. You mentioned uh, FOSTA, SESTA, SESTA-FOSTA, a couple of laws, the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, and Allow States and Victims to Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, which got passed in 2018, I believe. Unanimously. Yeah, <laughs> one person almost didn't unanimous. Sign. Yes. Almost. Only one person on both sides of the aisle. It took a wrecking ball to the escort industry. Sure did. How have you personally been impacted and how have you how have you managed to overcome that? I turned fifty-one in September. And so I'm sort of an older considered an older escort and um I've been escorting for fourteen years professionally, like through the rent boy, rent men online scenario. And and I have built a clientele, so I was very fortunate. I have already, you know, however, because I've sort of been aging out and not really been prominent and I have this other business that I do travel, I do I do adventure travel with my high-end mm-hmm. clients and stuff. I, and I've really, that's been very helpful for me. I don't, I'm not able to gauge the impact that it had on my work. However, when I'm doing hourlies it's funny when i get the emails from old clients and say where do you advertise now i'm like on rent man it's the only game in town it literally is the only game in town there's a couple of other sites but they're not really at least as far as i know useful to me and i wonder if people are more fearful just reaching out and contacting someone through the internet now because you feel like you're being watched you mentioned your other travel business mail adventure yeah. right yes one of the things i admire about you <laughs> is your your adventurous you like to travel you seem like a pretty what i would say confident traveler like you can go to new places and just seize it yes where does that come from maybe running away from home as a child oh <laughs> you know I, mean, I ran away from home a lot as a child as a matter of fact, it was one of the spent most of my childhood running away from home I think it's been pointed out to me many times over the years is that people have said, how do you just do that? Show up in a city that you have no idea what's going on there, where to go. You, have, you don't know anybody there. Why wouldn't you? I mean, my thought is, why wouldn't I do that? That's like the best thing. It's the best way to travel is to just show up and find out, you know, jump into this new culture. I went to Tonga to swim with humpback whales years ago. I, I go every now and again. The first time I went, I went by myself and it was really exciting and scary you know all these street dogs running around right? and i was like oh i love all these streets i found out the street dogs are their livestock they actually oh, you know yeah. they're a culture they eat them but they don't they let them roam free and then anyways it, i just i don't I think no i handle that i know i couldn't handle i'm not ever never tasted it never would do that but it was just interesting i was like shocked i was like how could you say oh we don't talk about that anymore this woman i was talking to who was an expat (laughs) westerners don't westerners do not like that at all but yeah you learn in different cultures it's like you know we have really humanized our pets but we haven't humanized cows 
exactly. And in India, you lay a hand on a cow and you could be arrested. You know, it's interesting, an exciting place to be. And I've changed a lot too. I want mm. to go back to sex for a minute. Sure. Because you are a sex worker. Yes. And you're called on to meet other people's needs. Yes. They don't, you don't usually show up and they say, you know, what are you into? I love it when they do that. Okay. Well, <laughs> good. Because that's what I'm going to ask you right now. Yeah, yeah. What are you into? Oh, goodness. Um, I do like the room full of tops fantasy, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, done that. Next. That's <laughs> fun. But I'm into so many different things. I have this great partner. We've been together for nine years. We just... Uh, ended a triad with our partner that was with us for seven of those nine years mm-hmm. who married our houseboy who was, you know, oh. it's this great, really, they moved into a house up the street. It's this great relationship. We're still a family, but my partner and I fuck nonstop, like nearly every day, two or three times a day sometimes. And so I really don't think about it that much, but I also have wow. like, yeah, it's great. We're both totally versatile and we're just, after all these years, you'd think, yeah, things would get slowed down. They have not. They've only gotten crazier, kinkier. We bought an RV, so we were going camping, and we're fucking in the bushes and doing all this crazy shit. And it's amazing. And he's so hot, and he's so fun. Wow. I think there's a lot of people listening who are going to be pretty jealous when they hear this. I also have a sir who lives up the street who, like, I kind of explore my little submissive side sometimes. Not often. And it's something I've discovered that I think felt like, oh, because I'm so dominant and such a top and I'm always, you know, fucking deep dicking some boy somewhere mm-hmm. or doing some thing like that, that I need to explore that other side. And there's this whole philosophy around how can you be a good top if you're not a good bottom and all of this mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm just like, and I get that. And I believe that is very, that's a very valuable statement and it's true. But I've explored this sort of submissive, complete loss of control and it's beautiful and I love it. But this is part of me that's sort of like, I don't want to play that role. Just, and this guy, this sir up the street is so fucking hot. And he's so sweet and he's so kind. I just want to lay in bed with him and just sort of snuggle. That's what I'm into. I'm kind of just into like letting whatever happens happen. And just depends on what that, what the chemistry is, I guess. What do you think is the key to sexual fulfillment? Hmm. The short, long answer is courage. Courage is absolutely required for a person who feels unlovable, untouchable, unattractive, invisible, to pick up the phone or to write the email to the escort and say, I, I want to u- utilize your services. However, I'm a 75-year-old married man, widower, who's 300 pounds overweight. Are you going to be okay with that? And my response to that is absolutely. I can't wait to see you. That also um, bleeds over into our real life experience is to have the courage to accept yourself right where you are, to show up in the room, and to just let go, right? Really hard. It's a tall order. But sometimes it just takes a little bit of courage to say, okay, I'm going to ask my partner today to fuck my brains out. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to play some game. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not in order to get something that I want. 
just going to say what I want. And that takes a lot of courage. I'm going to ask my partner who's 99% total bottom to please fuck my brains out because I need that right now. Hmm. It's one of the most important parts of relationships and sex is to ask for what you want and not um, get all twisted up in a game, try to be something or achieve something because you think someone's going to say no. That was a very powerful answer. Anything else you'd like to share with listeners? Take care of yourselves right now, especially. Touch yourself. Get in the fucking mirror and look at your cock. Play with your ass. Play with your nipples. Get in there and get to know you, right? Right now. What, especially if you're alone, if you're not being touched, touch yourself. Because right now, more than ever, we really need to be activating that oxytocin, getting our selves aroused, feel fulfilled. Don't just jack off. Really be there with yourself. That's what I'd like to say. Really, it's super important right now because it's really a part of our uh, healing that we have to do right now. Love the fuck out of yourself. Thank you very much, David. All right, Robert. For more information about today's guest and links mentioned in this episode, visit sexualheroes.com.